recently I've been shown that I get to have joy and I get to have that childlike joy. That it's okay if I sit and cackle at myself, whatever. It's okay that I go give eggs to the raven because it gives me so much joy. And I don't give two shits about what my neighbors think. Welcome to Real Souls, Real Spirituality, Real Connection. A podcast about real day-to-day spirituality and navigating our spiritual human experience. This is a podcast for people keeping it real and anyone with a soul. (laughs) (laughs) Our hope for this podcast is to engage in raw, authentic conversations about what it means to be a spiritual being. We are going to have so much fun exploring some deep topics and create a dialogue about spirituality. We would like you, the listener, to feel connected to your spirituality and as part of a soul community. We are never alone in this journey as we are all souls. So let us get real. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our episode number three. And yeah, I'm here with Patricia, Victoria, this is Gabby, and this is our part two of Get to Know Us because we are building a community here and as much as we want to get to know all of you we want you to know us too so that you can relate and feel more comfortable uh, listening to us and knowing that we're just real raw um, humans and spirits and yeah spirituality doesn't always have to look a certain way or sound a certain way but this is who we are spiritual leaders aren't saints no (laughs) that's right in fact a lot of it is we come from a lot of messy backgrounds really Mm -hmm. you know and we still have messy lives because life is life right exactly Exactly. we're always going to be facing stuff in life so so the first question we want to ask each other is what's your earliest memory let's see who wants to share the first memory that that you think it's your first memory I'll go because mine isn't a happy one and hopefully Victoria has a happy one but if you don't that's okay no (laughs) pressure Um, maybe it'll lighten mine up a bit but my very first memory is it's very vague there's not a whole lot to it because it was a trauma that I blocked out a lot of it my memory is of what I believed until about a year ago that my brother had pushed me into a swimming pool when I was about three years old and I had thought that he pushed me and that was the story that I was told and I drowned uh, I mean I was I had what I believe was an NDE it wasn't a full one where I remember going beyond the pearly gates and all that <laughs> stuff but I do remember as I was drowning I could see my my brother laughing at me mm. he and his friend were laughing at me And I just remember thinking how cruel that was. They're watching me die and they're laughing. Mm -hmm. And so as I was passing out, and this is what I do remember, is there's this beautiful lady that came to me. And I don't remember everything she said because it was just, I was three years old, right? And that's the age where we barely start remembering stuff. And I just remember she came to me and I remember feeling the most peaceful feeling ever. And at this point, I was already... I was already passed out. I wasn't conscious. And so I remember that part of it, of drowning, which I found about a year ago because my father had thought the same thing too. He he remembered looking out. He he kind of got this feeling, I need to check on the kids and see what they're doing. 
And then he saw me face down in the pool and my brother and his friend still laughing at me. And so he just flew into a rage and that's another story in and of itself of what he did. But he abused my brother physically very badly for that. And that was the story I was told my whole life that that's what happened until I was sitting with my brother about a year ago and we decided to talk about it for some reason. For some mm -hmm. reason that came up and he said, no, I didn't push you in the pool. You had fallen over on your little floaty that you had had and we thought you were joking. We thought that you were just pretending that that was happening because you kept bobbing up and down like this. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, bobbing up and down was trying to get air, but he didn't know that. He was only like five years old at the time. So that lifted a lot of weight off my shoulders because mm -hmm. for the longest time I thought my brother tried to kill me. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For 46 years, 47 years. I'm sure that made you feel yeah. so unsafe around your brother, but even around men. Yes. From that moment on thinking like, oh, those two little boys being males saw me drowning and they didn't do anything to rescue me right. and yeah right and it's so interesting how our memories what we think about what happened yeah it's really what creates the trauma exactly yeah exactly it's what we think happened because that's yes. our perception of it and maybe what other people have told us about it so yeah that was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders because you're right gabby walking on eggshells around him he was a big bully growing up too mm -hmm. So I was always walking on eggshells around him, but I yeah. think that's where the majority of it started, mm -hmm. was that story. So. Well, we're so glad he didn't drown. Me too. And you're yes. here with Me us. Me too, but I still remember that feeling of that lady coming to get, it was just mm -hmm. all-encompassing love. Like, mm -hmm. I wanted to go with her, and I think I might have, but I don't remember that part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was kind of blocked out. I don't know if spirit took that from me or if it was just part of the drowning that took that out. But my dad um, came out and, like I said, he physically abused my brother, but he pulled me out of the pool. And he was a cop at the time, so he knew CPR and did all that on me. And they took me to the hospital, and I was fine. But, wow. boy, boy, my dad was scared. Mm. He thought I, he'd lost me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're glad you came back. Thank you if so you were much. going to if you were yeah, going with a lady <laughs> yes my purpose wasn't finished yet yes. obviously <laughs> the earliest thing that i can remember is not an event i just remember feelings like tactile feelings of things i remember my crib and i remember the way that it felt like the bars I remember the feel of the bars. It's like it it's was like a, a convict, yeah. <laughs> and my little cup, and I was clanking it along. The, no, but I, I remember the feel of the wooden bars. And I remember the sound when I would move of the mat that I was on. Because, you know, I guess mm -hmm. cribs have those, like, mats under them or so they mm -hmm. stay clean or whatever. I remember the sound of that. And I remember up above my head, mm -hmm. there was a, what do you call them, a mobile. Oh, those little mobiles, and yeah. I remember being thrilled with that thing. Like, I can still feel being absolutely consumed <laughs> by the mobile in my room. I remember a time taking spaghetti, and I can feel, like, the smushed-up spaghetti and sauce in my hands. And I remember putting it on the walls. Oh and, my. like, the feeling of the wall and the feeling of the spaghetti <laughs> and, like... The feeling of the edge, for whatever reason, how high chairs have a tray on them. Uh -huh. Like, I can feel the edge of that tray. Like, 
just how it like the lip of the tray for whatever reason I remember the lip of that tray maybe that was because that's the boundary I crossed <laughs> with my spaghetti on the walls oh but it's just a bunch of like pieces of emotions very sensory mm-hmm. very much with your hands and mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. like the feeling in your hands mm-hmm. yeah and the colors I remember the colors mm-hmm. just colors stuffed animal colors and there was a cookie monster decal or whatever on my wall and just the blues and the there was a big bird the yellow of the big bird and which is ironic because I did not like Sesame Street in my that I can remember as a kid but I didn't know as a baby I guess I just remember the colors and yeah I just that's what I remember no, that's cool that you have some memories of when you were that young too yeah you know? and they're just like little snips and impressions and yeah my first maybe coherent memory memory is more is time with my mom because I spent so much time with my mom because my dad was working and was the, the breadwinner. But I remember things with my mom. I remember the feel of her pants because <laughs> I must have clung to her leg. I don't know, but I remember uh-huh. the way her pants felt and I remember the way her shirts felt because they felt very... Like, you know that fabric that bunches and so it has a kind of, like, bumpy feel? Yeah. I remember that from one of her shirts and, and touching that so yeah all it's about touch yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome I do remember the night that I helped my sister escape from her crib so she's 15 <laughs> months my junior and I helped her escape from the crib I I remember climbing up on the side of the crib which was my crib but I was you know 15 months older and I remember kind of looking down on her and seeing her in there and her looking up at me and then that's kind of the end of the memory. But I remember looking down on her and being like, you can use me to climb out. out <laughs> and she did. She got out and they couldn't find her. And I'm probably over in my little bed sleeping my little night away. And they couldn't find Sherry for a while. <laughs> so a lot of just tactile yeah. pieces come kind of flooding back. Yeah. Things I remember. Well, that really goes with you. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely does. I can see that. Okay, let's see. So I have um, two that I I don't know which one's first, but I want to say that the one I'm going to share first is earlier, but they're the first two memories that I have in my life. Um, I was walking down the street with my mom. I might have been like three or four and holding her hand. So I remember kind of looking up at her and asking her, Mom, if you were a guy, would you marry me? And I remember my mom looking at me and be like, what she repeated the question like are you asking me if I would marry you if I was a guy and I was like yeah and I really wanted her to say yes <laughs> and I remember that at, even at that age I was feeling like I wasn't good enough for anybody to marry me and I don't know why exactly I was feeling that way that young but she looked at me and she's like well I don't know what to answer to that but I I guess she was like thrown off by it right because she's like what do you mean if I was a guy like that? You know, she yeah. didn't know what to say. But I remember feeling kind of like disappointed in her hesitation. I was like, kind of reassured the way I was feeling already. Um, so that was very interesting. And it always made me think if I was, since that little, like kind of picking up on her insecurities with things. Mm. My mom was this gorgeous woman that weighed 120 pounds and have a, had a beautiful body, but she never went to the beach. She never, we lived like 10 minutes from the beach and she's never taken us to the beach mm. because she didn't want to show her legs. Mm. Wow. Right? So I think that got transmuted into me and I was feeling her insecurities uh-huh. and thinking like, 
well, if she feels that way, then I don't know about me. Like, would somebody marry me with my chubby legs and, you know, like my toddler <laughs> body? So that was very interesting for me. Do you think your mom is also from that same generation that we've been talking about where our parents just don't know how to, to be that way for us? They don't mm-hmm. know how to, you know, how to answer those questions. Answer yeah. questions. Right. Yeah. Is your mom from that kind of generation? Yes, too? absolutely. So part of her that just didn't know how. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other memory that I have is kind of like same age, too. And I have a half sister from my dad's side that came to live with us for a couple years at that time. She's older than me. And we were coming out of school. And I remember I didn't want to walk. It was a hot day, humid. And I didn't want to walk home. Home was like 20, 25 minutes walking. And I was like, oh, no, let's just take the bus. And and she was like, yeah, okay, let's take the bus. And then I remember when she got home, she got the worst beating from my dad because mm-hmm. we took the bus. And I remember like watching that and mm. think, and I remember me saying like, no, but it was my fault. I, I asked her, I didn't want to walk, but she got, got that beating from him. And I remember thinking I can never say what I want anymore or ask for my, my wishes or my needs because it causes the situation. It causes pain yeah. for others. So I think that was like a way that, um, where I started becoming that people pleaser and make sure that. Everyone was okay, but it didn't matter what I wanted. Yeah. Mm, so, yeah, wow. those are like the first two memories that I, I remember of my childhood. But it's so interesting how like each of our memories kind of shape us, you know, and how uh-huh. how we are and what matters to us and like the, the meaning we give them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I want to ask something to you ladies. What is like your love language? So how do you express love and how do you understand when somebody loves you? This is an interesting one. Paul and I talk about this all the time because we have very different <laughs> yeah, love do. languages. Polar opposite, actually. I express love through sacrifice and acts of service. Mm. And that's the strongest way that I receive love and that I recognize love um, is through sacrifice and acts of service. Mm. Nice. How do you... Um, like to be loved the same way or do you have another the same way okay so for me if you know paul doing the dishes which is you know part of our shared responsibilities but if things are stacking up he does a chore that just needs to be done and it's stressing me out i will remember that for much longer than (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know almost any time spent with each other or yeah that's just how i show and how I receive love they're mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. what about you Patricia I actually have two of them mm-hmm. one of them is acts of service that is something that I love to do to help other people feel better if I can just sense or kind of get a message from spirit that there's a specific person that could use some uplifting then that's what I do because that helps fulfill my soul and to know that I'm helping somebody out who's needing some uplifting person coming their way or Mm -hmm. message or whatever. Um, And I think that goes back again to childhood where I didn't have those things and I want people to feel those things Mm -hmm. because I never want to see somebody who's lonely or struggling and if I know they are, then I'll do whatever I can to help them. 
The other one is physical touch, which is no surprise because I'm a <laughs> massage therapist. <laughs> and also, too, as Reiki practitioners, if you live in a state where touch is um, legal to place your hands on somebody's body, that's another thing, too, is our touch is so, so important mm-hmm. in how we help others. But just a loving, comforting touch sometimes can just save someone's day, you know, if they're having a horrible day, and it's just a loving touch and words of, you know, I love you and I'm sorry you're going through this or, or something like that. But I, I'm a huge believer in the healing power of touch just because it, it can do so much. And I've seen so much of it in my massage therapy practice, how that physical touch is so healing for people. Mm -hmm. And that gives me great joy to my soul to be able to provide that for people because that is my love language. So, because mm-hmm. we don't awesome. get enough touch, even mm-hmm. if you're in in relationship, we don't get enough touch. Mm-hmm. We just don't. And you know, I'm sure you guys have heard of the studies that went on where I think it was back in the '40s. They had these babies that they had in an orphanage, and nobody ever picked them up. Nobody ever soothed them when they were crying. They didn't have any touch. And those poor babies grew up with so much like they were beyond anything as far as they just couldn't function in society yeah it was just horrible and sad and that's because they were denied the power of touch and so that is a huge thing in our lives is to have that power of touch Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's my love language one of them anyway Mm -hmm. and is that how you receive love too how you like to receive love yes the same way yes Mm -hmm. I love that power of touch I love acts of service being given to me even though it's hard to receive them sometimes yes weird it's kind of like this you know imbalance of some sort I'm like I love it when people give acts of service but I have a hard time receiving it (laughs) Mm -hmm. like all of us I guess right Mm -hmm. all of us people in the spiritual community a lot of us are givers and it's hard for us to Mm. receive yes (laughs) so yeah Uh, I think for me it's definitely words of affirmation it's way deeper than that. I don't necessarily like somebody telling me those, like, oh, you're giving me that that validation. It's more about the communication. Like, I want, I want people to go deep with me with things and, like, give me that time of, like, talking about feelings. And that's what, when I feel the most love, when I have deep conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And then also quality time. And to me, that's deeper, too. It's like, it's, I want to feel that your energy is safe. I want to feel like you're present with me in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that then I feel completely loved in that way. You know, that because so many people are with you, but they're not even there, right? Like they're, and and that's not the quality time. You can be with me all day sitting in the couch by me and your mind is completely somewhere else. I feel so unloved in those moments. So yeah, it's that presence. So I think I have my own. They go, they're not like the five regular love languages. They might are like more like essence, you know? Mm-hmm. I want to feel that essences. essence. Yes. 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 And I think that's how I try to express love myself too, with like really being there with you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. present completely and the communication, the, the talking about deep things. And yeah. yeah. Do you think that goes back to childhood too? Because it doesn't sound like you really had that much growing up either. You were always having to be the one for everybody else mm-hmm. yes so I think so too that, yeah. mm-hmm. I think so too yeah it's yeah. interesting because the love languages you know for me I guess technically I could say one of like my secondary way is to 
to gift, to give. Mm -hmm. But it's not an object thing unless that object is going to, one, cost Mm. me, and two, give ecstatic joy to somebody else. Or if it touches them in an emotional way. So it's not... Like a random gift giving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, and it has to be something that costs me, not because I want to take from myself, but I want to give of myself and have somebody receive that and go, I see that this comes from you and from your heart. And it's a personal thing. I have a question. When you were a child, could you have imagined how your life would be or how it would unfold? Did you have any idea how it was going to look like now? You know, when I was a child for like two years, I thought it was going to be a dragon. So, so no. <laughs> Unless there's a that metamorphosis so coming my way. Oh, that is so cute. Yeah, I don't think so. Because then for a while I wanted to be an astronaut. And I, so I don't think I did. Yeah. But I will say, my entire life, I have known. I used to say, I'm a cat and I'll land on my feet. And I've always, always known that. And I don't know where that comes from, but I've always known that. And if I'm a dragon, then I'll land on my talons or my claws or whatever <laughs> dragons have. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Patricia? Is, is it the life that you envisioned as a child? You know, I, I feel like I'm being so sad lately <laughs> on all these episodes, but we're just kind of talking about deep stuff. Yeah. I never really thought of that as a child. It mm-hmm. was more of survival. How am I going to survive this? Mm -hmm. And that's not what I was consciously telling myself because as a child, you're not telling it, how am I going to survive? This is something that subconsciously comes to your mind. It's all about the fight or flight. How am I going to make it through this kind Mm -hmm. of thing? And so I never really thought that far ahead until I became a teenager. And I always wanted to be like a mental health therapist or a psychologist because of what I'd been through in my childhood. Mm -hmm. I wanted to help other people in that way. But it wasn't in the cards for me because I had mentioned before that I have ADHD and the way mine manifests is I have a really hard time learning in ways, how do I say this? There has to be a specific way the teacher is teaching for me to understand it. Mm. And a lot of teachers out there are so left-brained that I can't connect to it. And so school was always a struggle for me. Um, My ADHD was just getting worse the longer things went on. Um, I did go to college for a couple of years. I I mean, it was crazy because there were certain subjects that I excelled in that just came to me naturally. And then others, just no matter what, like math is one of them. I can't do math to this day, Mm -hmm. but that's one of them. And so those are the things that I would say. I mean, I love that because you were in survival mode. So we don't, we can't look that much ahead when you're growing up that way, right? Like you can see your future. It doesn't matter. You're just so focused on what's going on right now and then what happened yesterday that mm-hmm. the future doesn't, you can't even imagine it. But yeah, so I, w- I didn't become a therapist, but I see myself as a therapist in other ways, if that makes sense. Like yeah. I'm not doing it in the mental health aspect mm-hmm. or the psychological aspect. And maybe I am on a certain level because connection through the body and touch like we were yeah. talking about yeah. is huge. That is very healing and yeah. emotionally healing for a lot of people. How about you, Gabby? Yeah, I don't think I could ever imagine my life now. I honestly, looking back and and tapping into that girl that I was, my soul since I was really young and that never changed. And I always knew it wasn't going to change. But I could have never imagined how amazing my life would have been, could have been. Mm. 
mm-hmm. because the last nine, ten years of my life have been amazing, and I love it so much, and I'm just in awe of all the things that I manifested and created with in all areas of my life, and I don't think I could have ever seen that happening as a child because of that same thing, the survival and the yeah. just focusing on today, like what I, can I do today to be okay today. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a yeah. hard place to be in, too. I mean, when we look back as children, I, I think back and I'm like, I just have compassion on her mm-hmm. for what she had to go through because we don't realize when we're kids that that's trauma. Yeah. We right. don't realize that this is abnormal and this isn't the way things are supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. So what's the most recent? Because we've talked about, you know, we're doing this podcast, but we're humans and we certainly haven't reached the top of the mountain maybe we hit a peak and now we're going back down the other side Mm. or whatever but so what's the most recent life's lesson yeah for me I think the most recent thing that I've been trying to learn or relearn (laughs) is that I don't have to sacrifice my health and my body to help others Mm. I learned that in this past year that in my work and in my friendships and in my family I take on people's stuff in a physical way. It never went goes to my mind. My mind is usually very clear and quiet and peaceful. But I didn't know I was taking it in physically in my muscles, in my in my organs. And it, it has been affecting me in different ways. So I think I'm learning the lesson now on how to redo that so that I don't my body doesn't have to take it on, you know, and I can mm-hmm. hold space and I just recently learned that it's not my body that's keeping me grounded because I'm a very grounded person. That's an illusion. I don't need my body to be heavy in a way to stay grounded. I do that just because of who I am. It's my soul that's grounded. Mm -hmm. So understanding that, that I don't have to use my body for the work that I do or to help others has been really powerful and something that I'm working on right now to change and to figure out another way of doing my work without my body, meaning I don't have to be in physical pain after I work on somebody that released a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to be heavy just to stay grounded and hold that space for people. Yeah. 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 So that's something that I'm learning mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there have been so many things I've learned, like the last two or three, no, more like four or five years have been full of growth, just a lot of healing. For me, it it took a lot of therapy to kind of work through the trauma and be able to come to a place of acceptance and to love myself. I, you know, I think we talked about it in the earlier episode of, I never believed those things about myself because that's not what I was conditioned to believe, right? Like I was saying, I could do all those affirmations and meditations, but none of them ever sank. I mean, they might help in the moment, like, okay, I feel this, but then it would go right back to, you know, the self-loathing. And so I've learned how to really and truly love myself, give myself that grace, that compassion for that little girl. And it's interesting because I've always considered myself a compassionate person. But when you learn that for yourself, who you are and what you really are, it takes that to the next level. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain that. So yeah, I think that's how it has shown up for me and I think also not going into people pleasing mode anymore Mm -hmm. I used to be a huge people pleaser because of the way I was treated growing up I just wanted to fit in I was tired of being the odd duck out right and so I'd always try to people please in order to feel safe so that person doesn't hurt me I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that you know and I was always doing and saying or what I thought people would want Mm -hmm. from me 
right? And so I was so much a giver in that aspect. And that also coincided with my compassionate nature too. So it was a little bit of the actual compassion th showing through. And it was also some of that people pleaser coming from trauma mode. And I had to learn how to separate what was what this last year. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I stepped into that and realized at the core who Patricia really is, is when things shifted for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. The people pleasing is a big one, I think, for me for the last handful of years, kind of working through. And for me, the people pleasing was a way for me to be accepted when I couldn't be accepted for who mm -hmm. I was. And yes. I've been extreme overachiever. And it, I mean, I have high standards for myself and I work hard, but I overachieved because that got me acceptance. But recently I had an experience that taught me the lesson or re-taught me the lesson, I guess, of joy. That part of the human experience here is to experience things that are painful. Absolutely. And I don't discount that at all. And I don't say, oh, you shouldn't be in pain. You should laugh everything off. But... <laughs> I've been feeling like maybe I should have more pain because then I would have more trauma to learn from or, mm -hmm. or maybe I should sit in the pain from the past because we're supposed to feel pain, right? Like there seems to be this mm -hmm. idea that if, if you're growing, then you're in pain all the time. Mm -hmm. and, and to the point where when things were really dark for me, I was almost wishing that I would get like terminal diagnoses because oh, then yeah. I would be like, then I would have the right pain and I could, yeah. and I would be in the struggle. And recently was shown that there's a place and a time for the pain and it does teach us things. And then we get to let it go and we get to have joy. And throughout my life, I'm, I remember so many people, I would go and try this new thing or the first time I traveled internationally, I went by myself. And I got on a plane, I went to Australia, and I was gone for a month. People thought it was crazy. And they would be like, why are you climbing that tree? Why are you, what are you doing? What, what? And all these voices of always saying, like, are you sure you want to do that? But I would do things that would bring me joy. And I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years ago, I was sitting in my living room and thinking, I watched a show about hobbies or something. And I thought, I don't have anything that <laughs> brings me, like, joy. Just yeah. moments where I just sit and I'm in joy. Mm -hmm. And... Recently, I've been shown that I get to have joy and I get to have that childlike joy. That it's okay if I sit and cackle at myself, whatever. <laughs> it's okay that I go give eggs to the raven because it gives me so much joy. And I don't give two shits mm -hmm. about what my neighbors think. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. if my parents think I'm crazy or whatever. Yes. And just rejoicing in the tiniest little things because that's who I am at my core yeah. and having that joy. So oh, you get awesome. to feel joy mm -hmm. with the pain. Yes. We get yes. to feel joy. It's our right as much as it is our burden to feel the pain yes. in these right. human forms. Mm -hmm. And I loved what you said about not giving two shits about what the neighbors think. Because that's another thing I've had to learn, too, is because I was a people pleaser, I yes. always cared what people thought. I could not handle it if I thought someone did not like me. Yeah. I could not handle it. Or I would to always... disappoint somebody. Or... Yes. Yeah. I just couldn't handle it. And so... I'm in a place now in life, I don't know if it's just age, when you get to a certain point, you're just like, fuck it. <laughs> no, that sounds rude. I, it's not really that. You just get to a place where you learn who you are and you show up as your authentic self. Mm -hmm. And if some people can't handle that, then that's their stuff. Yeah. And not yours. And I didn't know how to separate that before. I always thought it was my stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, I like that you brought that up, Victoria. Here's the way I think of it with the neighbors, by the way. Mm -hmm. 
If the neighbors want to call the authorities on me and have me carted away because I'm in the backyard talking to a raven and dancing around (laughs) and doing whatever, okay. Because, I don't think they will, because for years I have not called the cops on the neighbors for throwing gasoline all over their backyard and lighting it on fire. Oh my gosh. Or the the millions of other crazy things they do. So we all have our own form of crazy. Yeah, it's okay. I'm harmless. (laughs) You're harmless. (laughs) Okay, let's end with one more question, and either Gabby or Victoria can go first, however you feel guided, but I'm wondering what you think about success. Do you think it's achieving money? Do you think it's achieving whatever? And are you feeling success in your life right now? That's a great question. So as I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask my, myself to answer this, not societies, <laughs> yes. nor being a, being a recovering people pleaser. Yes. Oh. <laughs> girlfriend yes am I successful now hell yeah because I get up every morning and I greet the day whether it's a lower day a higher day whatever I greet the day with the optimism that lives inside of me and the joy that lives inside of me and I didn't for the longest time and the reasons I didn't it wasn't just the pain it was the people pleasing and it was the the fear of what people would think and it was the you know, I haven't measured up yet. I don't have this place in my career. And so, yeah. And I think that's what success is. It's one, understanding that there is actually no end to the journey. So anyone who's like, well, once I make it to this level and in my company, I've made it. That to me isn't success. It's knowing that there's a journey and being happy with where you are in the journey and mm-hmm. accepting yes, where you are in the journey and knowing that that is exactly where you need to be at this time and place mm-hmm. yes i love that victoria in fact i was gonna say something very similar on a similar vein and i'm like now what am i gonna say <laughs> <laughs> you can feel the same way yeah right? what is what does success mean to you patricia and are you well, successful a lot of it is what victoria said so i'm trying to think of another way to say something a little bit different you know for the longest time i used to think that success was achieving a a specific degree in college and and being successful in your career and and yeah those are signs of success right I'm not putting that down or anything because that can be success for a lot of people but for me I see success as willing to look inward and seeing the person for who you are like Mm -hmm. who you are like who is Patricia who is Gabby who is Victoria right and being able to look inward and see that and be able to apply what you see into helping others in the world. And I feel that's where I'm at right now in my space is I'm able to see who I am, what I have to offer, what spirit has blessed me with and how I can use that to help everybody else mm-hmm. in life. So, and that's developing in exciting new ways right now as Gabby knows. And yeah, so I think when we get to that non-traditional way of thinking of success is when true success happens Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Exactly. Well, there's an element of what you're saying, and that's the strength. Mm -hmm. Like the strength to go inward and the strength to stand with yourself, like face-to-face with yourself Mm -hmm. is a a piece of it. Mm -hmm. A huge piece of it. And that strength comes from every building block, every moment, every experience, every lesson that's been part of your story and your story my story along the way yes and that strength is so glorious like it's just it's just glorious to see Mm -hmm. in people it's glorious and it's so freeing too because Mm -hmm. for so long I did not feel that way about myself I just didn't and then when you get to that place you're like 
wow, this is what life can really feel like. Yeah. 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 Mm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it comes with society thinks success is like, okay, you have the perfect career and then you have the perfect job and then you have to have the perfect family and your kids have to yes. graduate from college and right. Like it's always something, something, and you have to have a big house and a lot of money. And, um, a long time ago, I decided that for me, success was peace. So for me, I am able to go to sleep every night feeling at peace. No matter how I felt during the day, I could have had a really hard day. Mm. But if I can tap into that peace, which to me is tapping into my soul, then I'm successful. I'm extremely successful. Mm. Um, And everything else is just I'm having fun in life, right? (laughs) All the other successes that come with that. It's just just, icing on the cake. Yeah, Yeah. it's just extra. (laughs) Um, But if if I think about myself when I'm about to die, maybe when I'm 90 years old, I would look back and be like, did I feel peaceful most of my life? And yes, you know, I, I, I do. do what I came here to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did I feel love? Did I feel peace? Did I feel connected to people? And then that's success to me. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you, ladies, so much. And thank you to our listeners Mm -hmm. for listening to this awesome episode. (laughs) Maybe I'll take that out because that sounds a little arrogant. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully uh, everyone enjoyed it to get to know us a little bit more and saw that we're just like you in many ways and we're relatable too. And thank you for listening to us and stay tuned for our next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye. Love you all. Bye, everybody. Ciao. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to be a guest on our show, or if you have any other comments or questions, please feel free to contact us via our website, which is realsoulspodcast.com. You can also find out more information on the services we offer, such as distant Reiki, spiritual life coaching, and so much more.